Wow, look at you in that hat. Oh, you look fabulous. Not everyone can uh, can pull off that sort of thing. Well, um, anyway, we probably better get on with the uh, with the titles. Run music. Shall we do a little bit of a, a relaxation technique together? Imagine a lovely meadow. Ah, oh, such a beautiful, calm meadow. The long grass is just swaying. And breathe in. And out. And we look across and we can see a lovely baby fox. on oh, in the sky giant eagle. Actually, the giant eagle is quite scary. It's giving me anxiety. Um, back to the normal introduction. Um, but I'm glad that we can start in a place of calm. Because this, uh, this lovely episode nine is a short story with a little bit of uh, my usual silliness, but also proper storytelling, <laughs> or hopefully you agree anyway. Um, and this story is a ghost story, but I don't like horror. And if you don't like horror stories, then I think you can be fairly comfortable here. I love ghost stories, um, ghost stories that you might tell around a campfire or something. That those are great, but um, horror, uh, no, not my thing. So, um, so yes, slightly silly and slightly different. A, a ghost story with a twist is what uh, is what we're going for. Well, anyway, the voice that you're about to hear is that of actor Michael Felcher, who is a brilliant actor. Again, who I first met through Directors Cut Theatre Company. And, uh, well, back in episode uh, seven, we had Amy Scanlon, who is a UK uh, actor living in New York in America. And this time we have an American actor here who lives in the UK. And um, very excited to have Michael on the podcast. And uh, we're just going to go straight into it. So this is my short story, A Ghostly Place. The day that I moved into number one Cecil Road was the first time that I saw her, Lydia. She was eleven years old. Her hair was long and black, her clothing threadbare. She lived all alone, and she'd been dead for over two hundred years. It was a cold October morning, and a layer of thick fog spread across my new rental home, like marshmallow and hot cocoa. I'd been waiting outside for so long I was starting to shiver. 
I'd landed only nine hours previously, my first time in Europe, by the way, and I was keen to begin my new life. The estate agent didn't apologize for being late. She handed me the keys and said, Well, there we are. Anyway, I really must go, shoving them into my chest with the urgency of someone that needed the bathroom really bad. The keys dropped to the floor. Good luck, Randy, she added, already retreating to her car while I was bending down to get them. Uh, it's Ted, actually, I called. You don't need me to sign anything? But she was already starting the engine. I blew into my hand to check my breath. Smelt okay to me. I pushed the key into the lock and turned back to find her still sitting there, though, watching me nervously. I had no idea what she expected to happen. I gave her a wave, and she took that as her cue to leave. Very slowly. I waited for her to disappear around the corner before I stopped waving. Any longer, my smile would have started to hurt. Cecil Road was a mix of council flats, a few detached houses from the 50s, and just one remaining Tudor house. Number one. My new house. Well, new, old, rented house. It stood strangely among the square gray blocks of more modern times. I felt like I'd won the lottery. How could I, of all people, be living in the best house on the street? Who needs a pool and a huge yard when you could have this history? As I gathered my boxes from the small van I rented, I had a sudden sense I was being watched. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. It wasn't paranoia, though. I felt like that because I was being watched. The whole street was standing at their windows just looking at me. Creepy, right? I must have been jet-lagged out of my mind because I didn't think it was weird at all. Pops always said, first impressions are everything, so I put on a big grin and waved to them all enthusiastically. Sensing my audience might be disappointed that I had no family with me for them to observe, I even made an attempt to entertain them by doing a bit, dropping my keys, pretending the boxes were heavier than they actually were, smacking my forehead in false frustration. Okay, I was definitely jet-lagged. And I kind of mixed bourbon and diazepam on the flight to try and sleep through, which probably hadn't helped much either. I regretted my attempt to amuse my neighbors immediately, but I'd started and felt stopping would be worse than showing my embarrassment, so I topped it off with some mime that seemed to lose me the rest, so very relieved, I decided to finish moving in and relax. I just got divorced in the spring, so I had no room left in me for suspicion or negativity. They weren't meaning to creep me out, I'm sure, just curious about the new guy. They didn't look like people that would hate an American living on their street like my folks had told me. You know, they actually said to me the British were smaller than Americans, as though you guys are all tiny mice and I would be a giant American beaver by comparison. Renting a house without viewing it first and moving to a country I'd only read about in Dickens, that was a big deal for me. You've never done anything with your life, Ted, and you'll never do anything with it, will you? She'd said to me. This sure showed her. I wondered if Corey the pool boy owned a Tudor residence. I don't think so, honey. Turns out Tudor houses are cold. And Tudor houses left unoccupied for a couple decades Kind of smell, too. Actually, a lot. But it was my new start, and I wasn't going to let that ruin my fun. I was told it was tradition to get takeout on your first night, so 
Having no food yet, I went out to collect the very famous and traditional British dish, fish and chips. I found it weird that everyone on the street now seemed to be gone. I took a look around all the windows, just in case I had anyone to wave to. No one seemed to be home, though. Every light was off. Every curtain closed. Only two street lights, both on the fritz, lit my way. The guy at the fish and chip shop looked startled when I walked in. I don't want to sound unpleasant in my descriptions of this guy, but he looked like he'd mistaken a block of lard for a bar of soap. I take it back. He, he could have had some kind of greasy disease that I don't know about. Terrible thing to say. Your finest fish and chips, I said, trying my best accent to be cute. Not sure why I was trying to be cute to this grease guy, but hey, it's my first day. There, he said, handing over a parcel of white paper and pointing at it. Oh, uh, okay, I said. Do you guys mummify all your food? I joked, but he did not find it funny. How much do I... Bray, he said, running into the back room and slamming the door. Are you sure? I called after him. I felt bad for the guy. Living in New York for five years from my ex-wife's job, I wasn't up on English food prices yet, and I had no idea how much fish and chips would cost. Is a 50 good? I called. I'm just gonna leave it under this plastic fish. But no response came. As I walked home, I worried if I should have tipped. Back at the house, I lit a few scented candles to remove... Okay, to cover up the stink. I gotta say the fries... Sorry, chips were a little odd. Are chips supposed to be so soggy and pale? I wondered if he'd actually even cooked them at all, so I put them in the microwave at full power. Maybe it's a cook-at-home kind of deal, I figured. As I waited, I noticed something odd. A patch of mold on the ceiling. I swore it wasn't there when I first showed up. I checked the Zoopla and Rightmove ads, and they confirmed my suspicions. The ceiling was white before. Or maybe they photoshopped it out? I saw the patch grow and move a little, like a black puddle on the ceiling. And this made me wonder if I had breathed in a little too much scented candle. From the dark void, an apparition of a girl descended. Yes, a ghost of a girl, still dressed as she had been two centuries ago. Her eyes were red and glowing, her hair long and tangled. She floated in midair, and her limbs cracked and crunched unpleasantly. I hadn't noticed this at all, by the way. Those chips had burnt the roof of my mouth, and I was like, ah, oh, oh, no, oh, ah, and flapping my hands in that pointless way to try and cool them down. When she tired of my inability to notice her, she crunched her limbs back into a regular setup and coughed into her hand. I was busy downing a glass of milk, though. I don't know why milk. Is that a thing? Oi! she yelled, eventually, and I heard it this time. This is my house, she said, her voice louder than should have been possible. And it always will be. I died here and it belongs to me. No one can take it from me. Oh my gosh, I think I actually said first. I guess that actually sounds reasonable. But what will I do? I really need somewhere to stay, you know, while I figure out somewhere else. Would that be okay? If I stayed here with you until then, I mean? What? She spat, no longer as loud. She began to sink down to the floor, and when her bare feet reached it, she took a couple steps towards me. Would that be okay? I repeated. You're supposed to be scared, she said, 
scrutinizing me with her red and now pulsating eyes. I nervously tried a toothy grin to ease the tension and shrugged. Why would I be scared? You've explained. This is an honest misunderstanding. This is your house, and I have no right to take it from you. May I stay a while? You want to stay here? Yes, please. I mean, yes, ma'am. If it's okay with you. It's dark and cold outside, and I don't know my way around here. The others were scared. But you're a little girl? And like you said, this is your place, not mine. I'm so sorry for the error. What's wrong with your voice? Oh, American, I guess? Maybe you've never met one? She seemed to be becoming more solid and less ghostly with every moment, but still confused by me. I wondered how many people had attempted to rent this house previously. Something screamed right outside the window and I leapt out of my skin. Lydia peered outside and glared my way. It's just a fox. Sorry, (laughs) I kind of spook easy, I said, and I swear she rolled her eyes in frustration, slightly winded. Wait, is this why they were all watching me? I thought they were enjoying my bit. I did a bit. Did you see? I saw. It wasn't very convincing. You lost them with the mime? Yeah, I felt that. I guess they were waiting for me to run away screaming. (laughs) My mother killed me. Right there. Under that silver thing you brought, she said, pointing a pale finger towards my fridge. Gosh, that's awful. Can I help? Do you want to talk about it? I asked her, kneeling down to be at eye level. She stared back at me blankly. I never watched a horror film before. I like romantic comedies. Maybe I would have run like the others if I'd seen one of the, let's face it, far, far too many little ghost girl kills a ton of people films. You want to help? And to stay? Only if that's okay. I'm so sorry for trespassing. It must be awful for you, strangers constantly trying to steal your house. It is she said, seeming pleased that someone finally seemed to get her. She studied my face a while and, as her cynicism slowly faded away, she became more solid still. Her red eyes were replaced with a cool shimmering gray I assumed was her natural color. You can stay. For a short while, she said eventually. Thank you. That's a huge relief. The people that watched you They could have warned you about me, could have helped you, but they didn't. They never do. They're stupid. I hate them all. And I felt it. This was a mature hatred. Centuries worth. It wasn't the kind of hate a child should be capable of, but although she appeared eleven years old, I suppose she had been trapped that way longer than several generations of my own family. You speak to them? Sometimes. The younger ones break in and I have to scare them away. That estate agent woman sends a priest every so often and they make boring speeches and throw water at me. That must make you feel very unwelcome. It does. I know how that feels. My wife walked out on me, said she loved me one day, then suddenly she didn't anymore. The pool guy had muscles. Filthy strumpet, she spat. (laughs) I laughed. Stop that. Don't laugh at me. But you're funny. (laughs) It's nice to laugh. She was a strumpet, I said, 
and thankfully she nearly giggled herself. Would you like some chips? I asked, unsure if ghost girls ate or not. She peered at them with suspicion. Are they from Fishkotech or Frying Nemo? Neither. Uh, it's called Ghostly Place, I think. Yuck, she said, swiping the chips into the bin. They're the worst. Only tourists go there. Got it. No ghostly place. Oh, wait. I just got why it's called that. Is this why they have the ghostly gift shop and tea room opposite? Because of you? I was honestly so confused about that. Fishkotek is the nicest. Everyone in town knows that. Okay. I'll get us both some chips from there sometime soon, as a thank you. I'm Ted, I said, reaching out. Lydia, she replied, taking my hand. God, you're so cold, I said. Here, here. I reached for my Baltimore Raven sweatshirt and passed it to her. She pulled it over her head. The soft blue fabric, several sizes too big, made her look immediately smaller and less intimidating, and I couldn't imagine anyone being frightened of her then. This is the finest cloth I've ever known, she said, moving her pale white fingers across it in awe. Really? Wait till you felt cashmere. Here, I said, passing my scarf to her. When her skin came into contact with it, her eyes widened in surprise. This is mine now, she said, but a few moments later added, if that's okay. Sure it is, I said, helping her put it on properly. I guess it can be my down payment for my stay. She was warmer, less ghostly, no longer shouting or glowing. Lydia looked up at me from mounds of brightly colored material and smiled. The next week was an odd one, for sure. I started to look for a new place to stay. The estate agent didn't seem surprised by the situation at all. Why did they even keep trying to rent this place, I wondered. I told her they didn't have permission from the owner to rent the house, and she didn't argue. Most of the locals avoided getting close to me and observed only from afar. I was starting to feel like a bit of a local celebrity. Lydia and I watched the Paddington films together, The Lion King, Aladdin, The Holiday, Star Wars, and The Sound of Music. Why does everyone keep singing? She complained at first about the musicals, but soon she got used to it, and I caught her singing about her favorite things when she thought I wasn't close by. Turns out Lydia had stolen a Game Boy in the early 90s after scaring off a group of boys from the house. She boasted about her high score on Tetris and how she knew Super Mario so well she could complete it with sound alone. My iPad and Nintendo Switch blew her little ghost mind. After our first month together, she'd caught almost every Pokemon and beat me at every Mario Kart track 20 times over. I let her win at first, fearing what a ghostly tantrum might be like. But after a while, I didn't need to. She was good. And you know, it was fun. We were watching Mary Poppins one Sunday, and as the kites flew and the credits rolled, she pointed to the screen and said, That's you. You are Mary. And she laughed. <laughs> Without being perfect. My phone pinged. Oh. They found me a new place, I said. What? They just texted. Looks like I can move in next week. Oh, she said simply. The mood in the room darkened. I don't mean metaphorically, either. Drips of black rain started to slide down the inside of the windows. Whoa, what the... That sometimes happens here, she said matter-of-factly. 
It hadn't happened during the previous four weeks. I see. You okay? I'm fine. Why wouldn't I be? You, uh, want to talk about it? No, she said, turning away to avoid eye contact. She switched on the Nintendo and upped the volume. You wanted me to leave. Mm-hmm, she dismissed me with. The black goo covered the windows like a curtain, so everything got pretty dark. It's bad to look at a screen in the dark, Lydia. Oh no, a screen in the dark. I may die, she said, rolling her eyes. Then the spiders started to appear. Weird, featureless spiders that scuttled down the walls by the dozen. Oh boy. Best pack your bags, Ted. The whole house began to rattle and shake. Lydia? What? Can you cut it out? The weird ghost girl stuff? I am a weird ghost girl. No, you're not. Yes, I am! Lydia, give me that, I said, snatching the game's console from her. Give it back! Lydia, fine then. Take it with you. Take everything with you. I will not. You will. No. Why not? Because I'm not going. I don't think you're mature enough to live alone in this house, I said. And the spiders, goo, and darkness all vanished. Lydia quickly wrapped her arms around me and pushed her head into my chest. I held her back. You know, you could have just asked me to stay. Mm-hmm. I can't hear you, I said, and she released herself from the embrace. I want you to stay. Was that really so hard? You were going to go! Because you told me this house was yours. It is! And, and you wanted me out. I never wanted to leave. This place is awesome. And we have a good time, right? Yes. So? Do I have your permission to stay? She was again taken aback by my lack of insisting the house was legally my rental. You do. Good, I said. That text was a wrong number. Estate agents don't text, I admitted, and she gasped and threw one of my throw cushions at me. Just promise me one thing, okay? What is it? The scary stuff you just did with the thing and the stuff and the spiders? Try not to do any of that stuff again, okay? Even if I beat you at Mario Kart. <laughs> you never win. Lydia? I promise. Ish. A few weeks later, I had a modest job, deputy manager of a garden center, and we lived a fairly happy and calm life. Lydia would frighten away burglars who constantly picked our house because it looked easy to raid, I guess, and I would bring home discounted plants and build up the garden that surrounded our plot. I was potting some lavender when I noticed Lydia at my side one morning. Why are you looking at me like that? she asked. You look like you've seen a clown. You... you're outside. Yeah? I thought you couldn't... What? Of course I can. I'm a ghost, not a house plant. I can't believe you never told me this. This is huge. What's so great about the outside? Are you crazy? We could go places together. You could go to school. School? Do you want the creepy spiders back? Okay. No school. Who needs an education when you're 211, right? What about the zoo? By the time the summer had arrived, we'd been all over the UK together. With her hair clean and untangled and her modern clothes, no one noticed Lydia was any different from them. 
Everyone obviously assumed I was her father, but Lydia corrected them quickly. He's just a man that lives in my house, she would say, and everyone would find it strangely charming. Penguins don't like ghosts. Fun fact. None of the other animals seem to care, but the penguins? God, they hate ghosts so much. The baby penguins would flee into their nesting areas to escape Lydia. The mama penguins would try to attack. I have no idea why, and Lydia had no explanation either. I've never even seen a penguin before, she moaned. What's that beef with me? One summer afternoon, I'd fallen asleep on the couch, and when I woke, I couldn't find her. She'd occasionally become invisible and scream at me on purpose, but I could usually feel her giggling, excited energy in the room when she was about to do that, and this day was different. I found her out front, staring at the ghostly gift shop near our house, so I joined her. You okay? I asked. I want to go in there, she said. If you're sure, I said, and she nodded. Welcome to the ghostly gift shop, said the elderly woman inside, and what a beautiful young girl you are. Thank you, Lydia said politely. I'd never seen her behave shyly before. Can you tell me about the ghost, she asked, and the woman looked to me for some kind of approval, so I nodded. Well, the ghost lives in the Tudor house opposite, and she's the ghost of a little girl. This girl, she said, picking up a plush from the till. That's the one. You like her? She said sweetly to Lydia, and then she mouthed seven ninety nine to me. How does she die? Oh, well, she looked to me again, and I nodded my approval. It was a long time ago, around 1820. Her mummy was very evil. They say she murdered her own daughter. I don't think she did, Lydia replied. Uh, maybe we should head home, I said. It's a grisly story. I felt maybe she was too young for it. It's not a grisly story. It's a lie. Father left us. Mother wasn't well. She couldn't cope because she didn't know how and no one would help us because they didn't understand. They just watched. They stood outside their stupid houses and watched. I see, said the woman. If you don't like the soft toy, I've lots of other toys. Smart girl like you, maybe a sparkly book or perhaps a keyring, she said, mouthing to me. Fifteen ninety for both together. Lydia turned and stormed out. Sorry, I said. She really hates keyrings. And I followed her out. Are you okay? I asked her, standing now in the center of our street. She didn't mean it. I know she didn't. They could have helped, and they didn't. I hate them all. Lydia, these people aren't the same that were here when you died. They're the same, she said, pointing to individual houses. Smith, Johnson, Cooper, all of them descended from fools. And they still just watch. I couldn't really argue as a few faces had appeared behind the net curtains and were watching us. I wondered if the old lady at the gift shop had any idea she had just spoken to the real deal, the ghost her business was based on. Lydia, listen to me. It doesn't matter what any of these people think. If you say your mother didn't mean to hurt you, she didn't. She just couldn't look after me and no one will help. She wasn't evil. She wasn't. And neither am I. I'm not a monster. I know that, I said although it was the first time she'd ever spoken about it in more detail. I opened my arms and we hugged. 
Come on, let's take a walk. We arrived at Smith Lane Cemetery a few minutes later. Why are we here? she asked. To see your mother, I said. But all the names are worn away. I told you, I don't know where she was buried. Let's just choose one, okay? Choose which one you'd like to be hers, and we'll come visit. She thought about it a while and eventually pointed. That one. She'd chosen a fairly small and not-so-ornate stone that was slightly crooked. I picked some flowers, weeds mostly, but pretty ones, and handed them to her. Lydia laid them at the grave and simply said, I forgive you. And I started to cry. Don't you make that noise, she snapped at me. It's me that's dead. Want to go home and talk about it? Only if we can have chips and curry sauce, she said. Deal. Will you buy me that soft toy version of me? Are you kidding me? They got your hair completely wrong. There was a cheaper one in the basket missing an ear. What about that one? Okay. Seems appropriate, I said, and she took my hand. I'll never leave you, you know, I said. I know that, she replied. Because no one else will want you. (laughs) It's going to be a very small portion of chips. Never leave me, Ted. See, was that really so hard? you understand why it's called a ghostly place p-l-a-i-c-e spelt like the fish because we have a little fishy chippy motify thing um good i'm glad that we're all on board with that thank you uh, to michael um hopefully we'll hear from michael again in the future join us again for uh mitch day's st- oh i forgot to do the thing that i'll I want you to to give me stars, okay? I can see that there's more of you listening than the stars I have been given. So uh, I know it's you. I know you. Don't hide behind your elaborate hat. I know it's you. Go into the Apple Podcast app and give me five stars, all right? Or I'll start pulling apples from that that headpiece of yours. And that would be a shame because it's lovely. Uh, anyway, yes, I think that covers that. Um, uh, we will continue next time with uh, Double Figures, episode 10, because anything else would be stupid.